You've entered the Prosperity Dimension. A dimension of sci-fi adventure. A dimension of small biz excitement. A dimension where Nicole Fendi shows you how to build your profits and have a swashbuckling good time. And now, here's Nicole Fendi. Welcome back to the Prosperity Dimension. I'm Nicole Fendi, your host. Today, we have Anne Ovitz with us. I'm so excited. Anne is the owner and sales rep for Fusion Print. By the way, Fusion Print is the printer for the Prosperity Dimension. They have two locations in Burnsville, Minnesota. Anne has been in the printing industry for 25 years and draws on her experience daily to help her clients. She loves to work with self-publishing authors through all the steps of printing a book, which we're going to talk about. Fusion Print was founded to fill the need for self-publishing authors from design to destination. Anne, welcome to the show. Thank you, Nicole. I'm happy to be here. Well, I'm so excited because you do such a fabulous job. And as I mentioned, you are the printer for the Prosperity Dimension, as well as other workbooks and materials I've needed. I want to start with, you know, you've got this long experience in the print industry and you've, you know, created this very specific niche, which is the self-publishing and indie authors, small publishers. What brought you to that? Why the decision to focus there? I really love to work with authors because of their passion for their subject matter. Everything that goes into their book, it is like birthing a baby. It truly is. And you know, (laughs) you know, it's fun, but it's work. It's hard work. But once they get that book and I hand that to them for the very first time, the look on their face says it all. You know, a lot of people cry. Some people run around screaming with their arms in the air. (laughs) Some people simply smile. Mm -hmm. But it's just, I love that feeling of giving them this product, this child that they've worked so hard to create. And it's just, there's nothing like it to work with an author who, like I said, is truly passionate about what they're doing, about what they're talking about. For you, it's finance. You know, for other people, it's cats. <laughs> you know? There's a lot of people, it's cats. <laughs> I know, but it is amazing. I worked with an author who is inspired by cats and did an entire book on cats. <laughs> so it can be anything. And mm-hmm. it is just wonderful that we have that ability, that capability now to do this. Because in the past, when I started imprinting 25 years ago, you couldn't just do 50 books or 100 books. You had to do hundreds or thousands. And you know, now it's so nice because we have the digital, all digital printing. That's what we do. And we can do 50 books for someone or we can do 500 or we can do a thousand or 5,000. But there's an option now. Right. Which is really powerful because people don't have to have a garage filled with books, which we'll talk about in a minute why that's not a good idea to put your books in your garage. <laughs> yes. Thank you for bringing that up. It we is will not, talk about that. <laughs> it's not a good idea. What I'd like to start with, though, and you've got all this experience and, you know, you and I have been through a lot as far as 
Just so the listeners know, we both belong to a women writers group. And as I said, she does publishing and printing for me. But there are some common myths in the publishing world, in the self-publishing world, mm-hmm. which you and I hear and see a lot. I would love for you just to pick a couple that you keep hearing that you would love to take a minute to dispel right now that, you know, you just keep hearing and you're like, nope, that's just not true. You know, I think there are a lot of them. The one that came to mind right away that it takes a really long time to self-publish, that it's very complicated. I said it's hard work. It is work. People shouldn't think that it's not, that it just happens on its own or that we push this magic button, which some people, that's a myth too. There is no magic button. You do have to follow the steps. And so you do need to think about cover design. You need to think about formatting your book. All of these things really up front before we even get started, those are the things we talk about. So it isn't this horrible, daunting process. It is simply steps. So you finish one, and I recommend you know, starting on the cover design process as soon as you can. So you can use that to market your book. And yes, when you're self-publishing, you do need to market your book. But when you're traditionally publishing, you still need to market your book. So that's another myth that people think that traditional publishers are going to do all your marketing for you. And they don't anymore. Unless you're one of the top writers in the country, you're really going to need to understand that you have to sell your own books, you know, by presenting and selling them in the back of the room or carrying them in the back of your car or going on Amazon and selling them on Amazon Seller Central. There are so many ways now to sell books. And I'm an author as well. And I actually have sold more books on Etsy than I have on anything else. On Etsy? Now, I didn't yeah. know that. How did that work out? Tell me about yeah. that. So what I did is I put, I had put my book on Amazon because everyone says, you know, says, please, you know, put your book on Amazon. That's what you do. But I had been looking at Etsy for something else. And it's more of a crafting, but it's really anything that you've created with your hands. And I thought, well, I wrote a book. Here's my book. And I put it on Etsy and I sold a book within about two hours. I sold one. And then that person came back and ordered 20 more. Wow. And she's from Florida. And so I've kept in touch with her and she is ordering more of our second book, which is a children's book, and then more of our second edition. So I have this you know, person who isn't even in our state and is able, you know, was able to order books and now we have a relationship. So it's been great. And those are things that you don't think about. So those are all things that I talk about with my authors and, you know, really get a grasp on who their target is and where they should sell their books, where their audience hangs out. I'm going to throw in there, I think you make a great point about yeah, who is their market? Who are they selling to? Who are they? You can't say ever. That's another common myth. You can't yep. say everyone. No, <laughs> you can't because not everyone is interested in what you're writing about. But you do have a target audience, mm-hmm. and you have to think about who is your target audience. My target audience happens to be mothers with special needs children or fathers, but I really focus on one thing. I focus on the mothers. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Where do those mothers hang out? Are they online? Are they on Pinterest? Are they on Etsy? Mine are. I have my book on Pinterest too and I've sold some. Mm-hmm. So you just have to really think about and delve into where your people hang out what they read, what they do, where are they on social media? Do they like Facebook? Do they like Instagram? Are you going to catch them more with a blog or podcasts, you know, like you're doing? It really just depends on your market, your target audience. The more specific you can be, the better. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think, oh, I need to make it general. But the problem is you're the jack of all trades and the master of none. And if you want people to be excited, you know, like you just, you talked about this woman you initially connected with through Etsy. I can't imagine everything she buys off Etsy, that's how she reacts. But you had a very specific book, Mm -hmm. meeting a very specific need that she related to and was also passionate about. And so she can go on to become a champion. That's another thing people forget about is the more specific you are, then it's easier to find those super fans, that 1% that aren't just going to buy, they're going to tell other people about you. Mm-hmm. And she is using the books in hospitals in the area she lives in Florida. And so my book is getting out to people who may order it from my website or order it from Amazon or order it from other places because she bought it from Etsy. And she had said she had never been on that site before she was buying a present for her mother-in-law. And she just happened to find my book because she just had a daughter with Down syndrome. And she was very interested in it. And, you know, it's interesting that you bring up, you know, being very, very specific. Because originally the title, the tagline for my book was for special needs children. Mm -hmm. But people came back in the Down syndrome community and said, why doesn't it just say Down syndrome? Mm. So you have to really think about how you are doing your title and who you're marketing to. You don't want to alienate anybody, but you also, I think, want to really target a specific audience. And that way, you're right, they can be a champion for you. And she is definitely my champion. What's interesting is you will also be surprised people you don't expect. The title of my book, The Prosperity Dimension, and then the tagline, A Small Biz Sci-Fi Adventure. And of course, it's going to appeal to people who have a small business and like science fiction. What's Mm -hmm. interesting to me is people who aren't really big fans of science fiction, but when they start hearing about the book or the plot or like Brenna's co-pilot, who's this sentient plant that uses scent to communicate – They're still interested, even though they weren't that original target. Like you're saying, people Mm -hmm. outside of that can still get drawn in. Yes. But you're not losing your focus by trying to appease all of them initially. Mm -hmm. And I think also you're drying out closet science fiction geeks (laughs) because you didn't know I loved sci-fi. I don't talk about it. Right. And when you were talking about your book and about Brenna, I was so interested and so excited to be a part of your book launch and to be a part of your book now. It's just, it's amazing. And I love that you combined two of your passions into one. So people should think about that too. I just, I think that's fascinating that you did that. Well, and as you say, so our listeners know, Anne was, like she said, a sponsor of the book. And now she's a printer and she's in the book. 
she has a love of science fiction. I had no idea. I'd known you for like two or three years before mm-hmm. this, right? Yep. And, yeah, you did. And I was like, really? You like science fiction? So, Anne, share with our listeners what's your favorite science fiction show or movie? So I am a complete Trekkie. <laughs> I have loved it since I was a little girl watching it. I have five older brothers. And the brother closest to me loved Planet of the Apes, Star Trek, the original Star Trek mm-hmm. and tennis. And so that's what I watched and <laughs> grew up watching Star Trek. And I fell in love with Next Generation. I have several Star Trek bobbleheads. I even have a Tribble that actually makes the Tribble noise. I didn't know that. <laughs> I, but isn't that wonderful? Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, my daughter came home last night from a Lynx game, and one of the people that were sitting around her gave her a bobblehead of one of the players. Mm-hmm. And she came running in the door last night, and she said, Mom, I have a bobblehead like you have now, because I have <laughs> six of them in our living room. A Ferengi, oh, Spock, Kirk. <laughs> yeah. So I have just a ton of Star Trek stuff that I've collected over the years. I even have a bottle of Klingon blood wine. Oh. Yes, I haven't ever opened it. I've had it for about 20 years. <laughs> yeah, so little known fact, I am a closet Star Trek fan. So yeah, pretty serious, but it was so great to find out that you were a science, well, I had known you were a science fiction person before that. I won't say geek, I'll just say person. Oh, I don't mind. Geek is fine. (laughs) (laughs) But it was really nice to connect on that level and to have that, you know, have that in common. And I finally, you know, kind of came out as the science fiction geek (laughs) that I am at your book launch and dressed up like Jedzia Dax from Deep Space Nine. Mm Mm-hmm had the whole, you know, the face thing and the whole thing going on. So it was a great book launch, by the way. And I don't know if you've talked about it in your podcast before, but it was the best book launch I've been to. It was, yeah, it was really amazing how everything came together and all the work that was put into it. We've talked about it a little bit. So maybe on another show, I'll cover it some more. I wanted to circle back to, you know, and just so our listeners know, Anne also is very active in the indie and small publisher community and has been a judge for publishing awards, specifically book covers. And mm-hmm. I want to take a minute and speak about this because it is amazing to me how the cover of a book can truly impact the sales of a book. And I've seen it. I've seen it with myself, but there are certainly case studies as well of books where all they've done is change the cover, sales go through the roof. What are some common mistakes you've seen when you were judging or things that worked really well? Well, the biggest thing is I've seen, and I've seen this with science fiction books, with other books too, but they've picked a font that is very beautiful, very artistic, and is completely unreadable. (laughs) Nobody's going to buy a book if they don't know the name of your book. Mm. And when they pick it up and you've got this great cover and you've worked on it for thousands of hours and you've worked on, you know, your words and the inside of the book and the formatting and you've spent all this money and they can't read the title, you really need to think about that up front. And the color is also so important. Whoever said, you know, you can't judge a book by the cover... (laughs) Wasn't talking about publishing. You do judge the book by the cover. And I do. And I buy a lot of books. 
you need to think about what color will appeal to your audience. And again, it goes back to your target audience. What color is going to appeal to them? What's going to stand out on a bookshelf? What's going to stand out as a thumbnail for your EPUB? What's going to stand out on your social media sites? You need to think about that. And You know, for my book, and I go back to being an author just because I went through this process really to understand what the authors who I work with were going through and every single component. That's why I started writing. I absolutely love it. I caught the bug. (laughs) That's right. Just so everyone knows, you can be a one and done or you're going to be sucked in for the rest of your life. And I will be sucked in for the rest of my life. I absolutely love it. But when I first started and did a book, I did a book about my mom and about her family. She grew up with 15 brothers and sisters. And so it was the whole, yeah, it was a, it was just a little book. It was more for my family, but I had written it and published it. And it took me three weeks to post it on Facebook that I'd actually done it Hmm. because, you know, It's one thing to tell somebody to do this, to do this, to do this, but I really experienced it for the first time and it was hard. It was hard for me and you have to be able to promote yourself. But going back to the cover, you do want to pick something that stands out, you know, but you have to be able to read it and you wouldn't believe how many books that I've judged book covers that you can't really read it. Mm-hmm. The font is super pretty. There was a book about fairies and the font was gorgeous. But, you know, if it if you can't read it, it doesn't really do the job. You want right. to make sure that it's straightforward, that it's easy to read from across the room, you know, to make sure that people are drawn into it. Mm-hmm. I had another book that I judged that was the shade of I'll say, yeah, I was going to try to say it in a nice way, but it was the ugliest color brown. Oh, baby poop brown? Yeah. Yeah. It was baby poop brown. And it was, it was like, why out of all the colors in the world, why would you pick that color? Oh my goodness. It was not attractive. So pick a color that, you know, people say red, yellow, white, black, Mm -hmm. but there's so many wonderful colors and really go with what you think your audience will like. So for me, what I did was with my newest book, I went and looked at, because I have the graphic novel component, I went into bookstores and looked at graphic novels mm-hmm. and said, okay, what's popular? What isn't, you know, so even a simple decision, like, do you want a matte or glossy cover? Mm-hmm. Those are things you need to ask yourself. What size do you want your book? What dimensions, you know, and, If you have a certain type of book, different genres have different standard sizes. You don't have to necessarily use that standard size, but it should be a conscious decision to be different versus, oh, I didn't realize it was different after the fact. Mm -hmm. So those are other things I would definitely encourage everyone to think about and to go and go into bookstores and look at the genre you're thinking about publishing in. That's a great point because I have a class that I teach called, I have an idea for a book, Now What? And the first thing I say in the book is look at other books. Go to a library, a bookstore, 
find what feels right to you. The last thing you want is to go through all this and be embarrassed by what you've printed. And I had a friend who went through the whole entire process. I'm not bashing CreateSpace. They went through CreateSpace, but it wasn't CreateSpace's fault that she doesn't like the book. It was that they rushed through it. They didn't have support or help or anybody walking them through it. And she doesn't tell people she even wrote it. It's really sad. She says she's ashamed of it. And that can happen with whomever you use to print your book. You just really need to find your voice and your look, what you want to put out there, what's pleasing to you. And look at, you're exactly right, look at other books. Look at other books in your genre. Go on Amazon. Another thing that I came across is I had an author who picked the title for her book. And when I went on Amazon to search that title, there were 32 other books that had that title. Wow. So think about your title and research it. Don't pick something that's out there already. Pick something different. And for our listeners to know, you cannot copyright a title. So that's something that's come up before in the legal side of things. You can copyright a term for other uses, but you can't say, oh, that's my title to my book and no one else can use it, even if you are the first one. That doesn't work that way. So Right, right. Not so that that's I'm why I'm not. <laughs> no, but that's why you can have books that have exactly the same title and right. they have nothing to do with each other. Yes. So just, you know, be careful on the title. Think about that. You know, as far as the book cover, you brought up other things as well. Do you want something that's glossy? We do UV coating, matte laminate. Matte has more of a, it's still coated, and you always, always, always have to coat the cover of your book because people are going to be touching it and reading it. <laughs> you hope so anyway, right? Right. And... <laughs> Exactly. But if you don't coat the cover of your book, it will scuff. The ink can, you know, fade away. You, you just, you want to coat it. So there's a matte lamb, matte laminate, which is a not shiny, but still coated. And then there's a gloss, which is, um, we just call it UV coating is what we have. And it's just a shiny option. So if you're looking for... I had a woman who wrote about her entire life, and it was basically stories from her trunk, and she wanted it to look old. She wanted it to have, you know, more of an antique feel, like the book had been printed, you know, back in the day type mm -hmm. thing. So we used a cream stock, and we used a matte laminate on the front cover, mm -hmm. and then designed the cover to look you know, very antique with, you know, the same, like, kind of subdued colors. And she absolutely loved it. But think about the feel, the look, mm -hmm. you know, would a real shiny cover, like for graphic novels, they're shiny. They're shiny, you know? which is why I went with that. Right. I think those are great suggestions. And I mean, I know we could talk about covers all day. I want to swing us back into the sci-fi world for a minute, because Something else that, as part of my book launch, you got an alter ego, a character in the Prosperity Dimension, and is now a trading card. Her name is Annika Astrid. 
She's the knowledge replicator. She is human, so she's not an alien <laughs> species. She is human. And her quote is, my replication skills turn digital knowledge into dynamic assets. What was it like to have, like, when I said to you, okay, name an alter ego. How did you feel about that? What went through your mind? Well, first, nothing, because I was like, <laughs> I am. I mean, honestly, like, I have no idea, which is kind of interesting since I'm a graphic designer by trade. I do a lot of the design, but I just had no ideas. And this that came to me, I just, I absolutely love it. And you helped out a lot. But I love the alter ego. She's Annika. She is human. And like I said before, I love what I do and I love working with authors. So it is, you know, taking that knowledge and helping people have a dynamic piece, you know, when they're done. Whether you order 50 or you order, you know, 250, I just, I love that part of it. So I love my alter ego. And I like my trading card. It's awesome. <laughs> By the way, you can go to scifibiz.com and learn more about soon we're going to be having the trading cards available for sale. There's a set of 28. And since I've talked about in a recent episode with my editor, there needs to be a sequel. I have said I am going to work in all the new characters into the sequel. So Annika will show up somehow in the next book. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> but having a trading card with your books and being able to sell that, then I know you've probably talked about this in other podcasts, but having a printer like us also do publishing, we can also print the bookmarks, the business cards, postcards for your launch workbooks, really anything that goes along with the sale of your book because you want other things to sell. You want other pieces out there and not just your book. So like you have multiple things that are going to be with the book and that you can kit with the book. Mm -hmm. That's so important now to have other things to sell. And I just came back from Gen Con and it was interesting because the person who had the booth next to me had bookmarks, but what he did with his bookmarks, which was smart, he had a couple books. He didn't just have one book. And what he had done in his bookmark is he had a one-sentence summary of each book. And so as people were walking by, he'd say, here's a free bookmark. Now, people are walking by the book section, so of course they're readers. They'll take a bookmark, right? What was great is he would say that and he'd say, there's information about my books, and I watched this. This was great. So I'm tying this into what Anne's saying about having these other tools, because he would slow people down. They'd take the bookmark. There's no pressure because it's free. And they'd look down when he'd say the descriptions are there. And sure enough, a percentage of them would stop and turn back and ended up buying a book. So it was a great way that this promotional tool, he said that, you know, he also gets sales later, you know, because it has information about how they can buy not in person. But it was very interesting to see how you can use a bookmark to sell at an event, but also to remind people of you later. People don't like to throw away bookmarks. No, they don't. So it's a great tool. Yeah. And thank you for coming on the show. I know that people can get more information. We have a link. You can go. Anne's website is fusionprint.com, and that's spelled F-U-Z-I-O-N. P-R-I-N-T dot com. 
and we've got a link which has some different stuff in it. So go to the show notes to get the specific link. You can always go straight to Fusion Print and connect with Anne. Anne, do you want to give any last thoughts to our listeners? No, just that on my site, it says, please contact us today for a free consultation. And I would love to talk to anybody about just getting started on their book, even if you haven't written a word. It's a great time to start. Great. Thank you, Anne. Please keep her suggestions, the do's and do nots in mind. She knows what she is talking about. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Oh, yes, she does. Again, I'm Nicole Fendi. This is the Prosperity Dimension. You can continue the adventure at scifibiz.com. That's scifibiz.com. You can get a free chapter of my book and sign up to get all the insider information. We are the Prosperity Dimension, where science fiction and small business collide.